your attention. He's captured your heart. Just tell him how much you love him tonight. You love him enough to sacrifice anything and everything. You love him enough that you're willing to pay the price. Just to better know him. Just to be able to receive from him. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Heal the hurts and the wounds. Refresh. Refresh your people tonight, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, would you turn to somebody next to you? Just give them a big old hug and shake their hand and tell them, I love you in the love of the Lord. Just bless them. Just bless them. glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming back. Hallelujah. We'd like to make a few announcements. ISO and C20, College and Career and the Youth, are having a concert Friday, October 23rd at 7 o'clock here. So you want to be sure for that. It's going to be a night of worship. It's going to be awesome. And then Bound for Light Life, uh, the Silent Siege, will be Saturday, October 24th at 8.30. You can see, see or get in touch with Sister Jen about that. And that will be a huge blessing. I want to finish this morning. I want to give you another definition of one of the words I shared with you out of Job eleven fourteen through 19. I shared with you this morning out of the Living Translation. And it said, get rid of your sins. Look at everybody say, get rid of your sins. Now tell them, you tell them, I'm trying. And by the grace of God. Amen. <laughs> and leave all iniquity behind you. Thank God, God threw your sins behind his back. Now you throw them behind yours. Then your face will brighten with innocence and you will be strong, free of fear. Verse 16 says, you will forget your misery. The King James uses the word misery also. You will forget your misery and it will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than noonday. Even darkness will be bright as the morning. Having hope, having hope will give you courage. Having hope will give you courage. It's not over. It's not too much for God to handle. Having hope will give you courage. And you will be protected with rest and safety. You will lie down unafraid and many will look for you for help. Well, the word I want to give you tonight there is verse 16 is the word misery. If you have the King James, it's also the word misery. You will forget your misery. And it gives the word, of course, of a woman. How many know you talk to ladies? They, they start complaining about their pregnancy towards the 8th and ninth month. And then uh, you ask them, are you going to have another one? And they go, don't even talk to me about that right now. But then they have that little chihuahua. They have that little baby, and uh, that little bambino. And then you, uh, they have that baby, and they look in that face, and they just hug, and the baby reaches out for them, and they just start. My wife says, you don't ever forget everything, but they start forgetting those labor pains. But it also means trouble and distress. Have you ever had any distress in your life? Well, it's here in the word that the Lord will cause that water that you will forget your distress. It's also the word for sorrow, suffering. Listen to this. 
It's the word for any area of your life that you've been victimized or wrongfully oppressed. You will forget the victimization of your childhood, the victimization of your marriage. You will forget of being wrongfully oppressed as a child. And it even means you will forget the perverseness. Come on, somebody might be hearing this CD or watching my internet. Somebody might be here today. Some people say that's something you will never forget. But the Lord wants you to know that he says, I, I will cause you with such a mercy that you will be freed from your misery, of all the sorrow, of all the perversion, the weariness, the, the effort to bring weary and wickedness into your life. He says, I will even free you. The word misery means the negative aspect of labor. The unsatisfied feeling of being stuck on a treadmill or just being in a circle. So many today find themselves, I'm so unsatisfied. I, 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 maybe in the worship team, we come and, you know, sometimes it seems like we're just not getting anywhere or in your job or, or, or in your ministry. Where are all the people? What's happening? Uh, Sunday school, Sometimes young at heart. Sometimes you feel like, man, it's like I'm working so hard. And he says, I'm going to cause you. There's coming the time. I'm going to cause you to forget the travail when you cried because your husband was coming home drunk. I'll cause you to forget the abuse and the sexual and the mental abuse of your childhood. I'll cause you to forget as water's going under the bridge, never to come back upstream. You've never seen a water's ever come back stream, have you? When they're going downstream, there's no coming back. Well, that's all the effects of your past. All wrong oppression. Wrongly accused. Attacked. Church, aren't we blessed that we have a God that covers everything? And his word is alive. And even as you bring this up and you speak, as I speak this to you, right out of the the Hebrew, it's his heart being expressed to you. He knew ahead of time. That's why he had this written. He had Job, he, he allowed, uh, he took the covering off and allowed Job to go through what he went through for a season. And as Job was sitting there, God was saying, Job is paying a price to write the word to help my people in central Louisiana in the year 2009, the year Come on. 2010. Come on, Pastor. All the effects of your abuse and victimization. All the things they made you do as a child. Your misery, you will forget your misery. Let me pray over that. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you have sent us your children. Many of them with so many things. Bombarding their mind and their heart. But Lord, you promised and Lord, you didn't lead me to the scripture by accident. That you said you will forget your misery. The victimization, the wrongly oppressed. What seems to be such hard labor, but yet no fruits as of yet. But soon there will be the ripening of the harvest. The fulfillment of the word of the Lord. For yea, though it tarry, it shall come, says the Lord. And so, Lord, I praise you and I thank you that you are touching each and every one. That any area of misery, we identify and we see that misery was nailed to the cross. You took our sorrows. You took our memories. You took our victimization, you took our misery, and you nailed it to the cross.
And tonight we stand upon the promise that we will forget it. That it shall be forgotten and we shall be whole. We shall be healed. And our face will be bright as the noonday. Father God, heal word of grace. Heal our people. Heal our people. From every baby to every child to every adult to every elder. Heal our people of not only what they have done wrong or what has done been done to them, but even the effects and the emotional scars. Heal our people, Father. You said you opened your house for the wounded. And tonight, Father, pour out the oil on the wine. We pray and we ask this in the precious name of our healer, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. With us, just come forward. We're going to receive this, this afternoon's offerings and tithe. Have you pray what God would have you to do towards the building fund, towards paying the land off, towards our ministries. Uh, just ask the Lord just to touch you and bless you, that your labor is not in vain, neither is your giving. I want to give you a chance to go ahead and write out your checks to get your money ready as you get ready to sow. And we do appreciate your giving, and we call you blessed. And we thank you for making it possible because we're getting ready to see things and touch more people than we ever have before. I'm so excited about what God's getting ready to do. And you know, next weekend is our 10th anniversary. And I believe we're going to be having some things to show you and, and some vision to share. And, and Jesus is talking mightily. And I praise God, Jesus Christ is the head of Word of Grace. God bless you, church. Amen. That you will draw in a line in the sand. One standing on this side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come and let him live in me. This is my prayer, this is my plea. Father, I see that you will draw in a line in the sand. I want to stand in on this side, holding your hand, so that your kingdom come and let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Let the worshippers arise.
Hallelujah. Oh, just reach around. Just touch somebody once again. Just touch them in the love of the Lord. Just touch them. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't get enough touch. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, are you blessed tonight? Are you happy? Praise God. Thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God he has made us alive. Quickened us. Hallelujah. You're not the old person you used to be. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to the book of Revelation. I had been, I've been teaching now on the letters of how it can be applied for today. I'll just keep you as last week just for a few minutes. I mean, I'm getting better and better at that, even though I've only done it one Sunday. I'm getting better and better. And, uh, and, and uh, that way you can go home and have some family time and have some rest and, be and enjoy your family. In Revelations chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verse 18. Father, we come before you. And I ask you, Father, that, Lord, to open up our expectation. And, Lord, we ask, give us the direction we need in our personal lives. We submit to your lordship and your leadership, Holy Spirit. We need direction. We need discernment. Thank you, Father, for giving us understanding. And we expect to be able to understand and comprehend the hidden man, as we read last week, given to those, Father, not walking in error or deception. And, Father, therefore, we thank you for creating within us the right heart and the right spirit. And leading us by the power of your word. And we give you praise and glory. In Jesus name. Amen. Here tonight we're going to share some things. Revelations 2. We'll look at uh, verse 18. And the angel of the church in Thyatira write. These things says the son of God who has eyes like flame of fire. And his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as far as your works, the last are more than the first. And th- this is awesome. And let me give you something special about this letter. This letter out of all the seven letters written to the church is the longest letter out of all of the seven. But it's written to the littlest church in the littlest town. And as I was studying this, it just came so real to me. You know, you would think that Jesus would take his time writing a letter to these big churches of 25, 30,000 people. You know, big churches in big cities like Dallas and Houston and New York. But what was interesting about this city, Ricky, is that the union as we know it today was born here. The union was born in this area. Not that you're a union, but anyway, union was born here. And so I thought, you know what? It would be like Jesus, he's writing to Joel Osteen of Lakewood, T.D. Jakes of Dallas. And all of a sudden, out of all these big churches, these big cities, he writes, and to Russell Cobb in Pineville, Louisiana. I think, Mela, what you want to write me for? But this is interesting, that God writes the longest letter to the littlest church at that time in the littlest town. And, and, and that's important for us to do. And you say, you know... Teach us the Bible. I'm teaching the Bible. Here he is, the God of the eyes that sees all things, the holiest of God. He's making a point. He's saying, numbers don't impress me. I'll write the littlest to the biggest. Because size isn't what matters to me. What matters to me is a heart of my people. 
And so I thought this was so good. This is, this is a teaching all in of itself. It doesn't matter how big you are. It, it matters the heart condition of the church. And we're not the biggest church. We're not the smallest church. But then at the same time, there, there are churches right down the road that, that one church right down the road has maybe a thousand. Another church right down the road doesn't even have 40 maybe. And then there's other churches that just are bigger and smaller. And, and Jesus is not impressed with anything anybody could do. He says, listen, he names these things, and he doesn't do it. He names them the works. I have eyes to see. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as far as your works, the last are more than the first. He sees what they have in their heart. Verse 20, though, he goes, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, and that doesn't mean every woman's a Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce You allow her to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her in a great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Verse 23, I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. I'll give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over nations. He shall rule with a rod of iron, shall be dashed with pieces like a potter's vessel, as I have also received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now, I cannot teach this whole thing as we're going through it as quickly as we can. But I shared with you last week that the church we studied was the church being warned about deception. Tonight, this is our fourth letter, the church and compromise. Write that down. The church and compromise. This is the fourth title that I've given you from the other studies that we have done. And you can catch up on the CDs or the archives. And I want you to see this. This is talking about compromise. Because Jezebel represented a mixture of paganism or the occult or the demonic and the flesh mixed into the kingdom of God. And what we're seeing today is many areas that there is a mixture. There's homosexuals who are pastors. There's sin that's going on in different areas, uh, in different ministries, in different churches, and in people's lives, in homes. We're not set. The church acts like the world, and the world acts like the church. And so we see that there's a compromise of worldliness that would brought wickedness into the kingdom and also into the temple. And he speaks about fornication with the world, a worldly church associated with the world. It's deadly. But this is the thing about compromise. It's deadly, but it's not easy to spot. Many times, that's why David would say, there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Because the thing about compromise, it's not easy to spot, but it's easy to fall into. I want to share just a few things about compromise. The collapse of character often begins on compromise corner. A compromise is the art of dividing a cake in such a way that everybody believes he's getting the biggest piece. Hmm. 
Why should some people be willing to compromise when they're the ones who are always right? Sounds like what we hear on the news right now, doesn't it? Everything that they decide for America is right. But it all is in compromise. A compromise is a deal in which two people get what neither of them wanted. Compromise opens the door. You get what you want, but then you're not really satisfied. Healthcare. Think it's right? All these different areas that they're trying to work on to, to take control of the books. For example, let's compromise the school. We're not going to teach about our founding fathers. We're going to change a lot of the teachings and say that it was just hearsay. We're not going to teach the word of God and allow prayer in school. But we will allow the occult. We will allow how to accept homosexuality and same-sex mom and daddies. And we will allow evolution. That we went from the goo to the zoo. And so we will allow these type of things because we will compromise because everyone has to be happy. But what happens in the end? No one gets what they really want. Compromise is always wrong when it means sacrificing a principle. Many things are worse than defeat and compromise with evil is one of them. Peace won by the compromise of principles is short-lived achievement. Listen to this. Story here. The Boy Scouts were under fire in California in 92. The Berkeley, California schools closed their doors to the Boy Scouts because of the Boy Scouts' refusal to admit homosexuals and atheists. In Santa Ana, California, a judge ordered Club Scout Pack 519 to readmit atheistic twins. Michael and William Randall, the two boys, were ousted from the park for their refusal to say the word God during the recitation of the Club Scout promise. And in San Francisco, the United Way withdrew its 849,000 annual funding, funding of six local Boy Scout councils because of homosexual exclusion. The policy of Boy Scouts of America excludes all homosexual youth and adults because they make bad role models. In response to all this, Blake Lewis, national spokesperson for the Boy Scouts, God bless them, said, Mainstream American families want these values for their young people. Blake went on to say, there is no chance the group will change its policy, even if financial support is withdrawn. He summarized, our, our values are not for sale. May the standard of such of Blake conviction penetrate our churches as well. Glory be to God. Do we hate the homosexuals? No, we do not. Do we hate the sin? Yes, we do. But what happens is that when the gospel is being watered down, compromises in the body and they do not jump in bed with Jezebel when Jezebel gets in the bed Jezebel starts with the flattery of the eyelashes Jezebel starts with her teaching or with her words that spirit of compromise starts trying to come into the church to gain control and these are the areas that we have to be careful of and this is a hard area let me just get down to earth with you in the area of compromise this is a hard, hard area we're living in these are not the days you and I were, bo were, were born or raised in. Uh, I was raised, my dad was a pastor in a godly Christian home. Never been to a dance. Never drunk. Never did none of that stuff. And then, you know, I see how certain people was raised that way ended up. But then, you know, here I have my boys. And so, you know, do you let them go to a homecoming dance? And, 
Do you let them go here? Do you let them go there? And Jezebel comes in through the attraction to movies. Not, it's not bad. It's not good. But it's not bad. Jezebel comes in through songs. Jezebel comes through going through places. And that's why it is, I'm telling you as a parent myself and as, as a person, it is so hard to know where the boundaries are not to start slipping in areas of compromise. Now, I, I'll just say, I allowed my boys to go to homecoming. They each had a pretty little date, and, uh, and, and they danced. They slow danced. Well, you know, I felt a peace, their mother and I, and we, we let them go. My, my dad would be rolling over if he knew I let them go to a dance, to the homecoming. But there was chaperone, and I don't believe there was any uh, uh, bouncing that shouldn't have went on, so it was just slow good stuff. But anyway, uh, this is an age where we have to pray not to get in fear of compromising. But Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. And what is still good innocence? You know, what, what, what is done out of a right spirit? And, 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 you know, there is so many things today. We can compromise in our dress code. I mean, men can look like women and women can look like hoochies and their sisters and brother their sisters in the lord but you know how about the compromise about how low some stuff go how high some stuff go how wide some stuff go how deep some stuff go deep and wide deep and anyway it's like <laughs> you know you wonder uh you know, you wonder, and we have to pray for the wisdom. And, and that's why I just, I just left my notes because I want to get just down to earth here. Because it's so easy to get the area where principles are compromised. Well, Daddy, they're letting their kids go to that show. Why can't we go to that show? Why can't we watch more? Why can't we watch horror? Why can't we watch horror that glorifies demons and demonic spirits and the power of hell? Why can't we be like other people? Why can't we go to parties? Why can't we do fortune telling? Why can't we, we dabble in magic? Why can't we explore a little bit of horoscopes? Because you know what? I read a fortune cookie and it was right on the money. So I don't see if the fortune cookie was right on the money. Maybe a, psych, a, psych, a, a, a psychic could be right on the money. No way. That's right. A, a child knows better than that. But maybe somebody listening to this tape is caught up. Do I do this? Do I do that? You don't, you don't dabble to those who read the stars. You go to the one who made the stars. It says in the book of Jeremiah and the book of Isaiah. Both books say you go to the one who made the stars. You don't have to go to a man or a woman. I, last week, one of the things, they, they, they compromised in going to a man, uh, being taught to go to a man as a mediator, to tell him what to do, what to buy, who to marry. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit of God and pray for confirmation after that. But, but these are days where we're living. Do we compromise in this area? Do we go there? Do we go here? What's wrong with a little bit of this? What's wrong with a little bit of that? And, and, and if we allow that compromise to come in, we start slipping in principles. And before you know it, we're acting like the world and the world's acting like us. And that's what this scripture is saying. You've committed, you have committed spiritual or soulish fornication and adultery. You're a chaste virgin unto the Lord. You're dressed in white and you have kept yourself for Christ the bridegroom. 
But yet, when you start allowing areas of compromise to come in, you start soiling your wedding dress. And pretty soon, what was white is now black, which was once joy is now mourning. And so this letter is writing to this church about be careful about the areas of compromise. Be careful of reasoning what you think is correct instead of asking the Holy Spirit what is correct. Even tonight, some may be listening tonight. You shouldn't be at your house watching by internet. You should be in church. Because you're going to turn this off and you might go do something you shouldn't do. Don't tell me that you're doing okay when last week you were in jail. You're going to argue with me. But I'm not the one who went to jail. It's that simple. I'm not going to water down the word of God. The church is not a place to make sinners. We don't want to make sinners feel unwelcomed. But you don't want to make sinners feel comfortable in living in their sin. When we first built our church in the jungles, we didn't have walls. So the chickens and the pigs would come in all they wanted to. But later on, when you get enough wood stored up, you start putting walls up. Because just because you get used to the chickens and the pigs don't mean you have to just forever have a church with no walls. Sooner or later, you need to keep the chickens and the pigs out because then everybody starts getting worms. But, but I won't go there. But anyway, because that's what happened to me. I got worms in my feet because we let the chickens and the pigs in the church. But anyway, or the dogs start fighting under the wild dogs start fighting under the pulpit or the, uh, the bleachers. Why? No walls. You get comfortable to the surroundings. And pretty soon you start acting, you start looking. And all of a sudden, instead of being in what this chapter is about, your works is the best you got going for. This is what it's saying here in the Greek. Your job is to influence. But you're so busy being influenced by the world that you can no longer influence the world. You're being so, your marriage is being so influenced by the world that your marriage is not influencing the world. Your life is so busy being influenced by the world that you're not influencing the world. And I have called you to influence the world. So compromise, open the doors to evil spirits, seducing spirits, seducing. There's thousands and millions of testimonies from the beginning of time like, how did this happen? What happened to me? How did I fall this hard? It wasn't, it wasn't an all of a sudden thing. It was a slow, seducing process that one day you wake up and you find yourself so captured you don't know if you can get out. It's seduction of worldliness. Love for the world. Love of things. And that opens the door for spirits and bondage. Verse 22 speaks of spiritual adultery. And it says, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. It says, if you have spiritual adultery, if you adulterize yourself and you join with the world, you will have tribulation. Well, it's so simple. If you don't want diseases, you don't have sex. I mean, you know, with the wrong partner. Uh, you know, if you stay with your husband and your wife, you're going to be okay. But if you go beyond that, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. And there could be a disease that would put you in the hospital with the doctor every month. And continuation of medicine. And even though you repent, there will still be tribulation consequences of what has happened. So that's what this is saying. If you have compromise, I mean, it's all over. Even the world has warnings. Even the world has warnings. Buy all the cigarettes you want to, but there's been a warning there for years. This will cause cancer. 
But go ahead and buy another pack of cancer. Get in bed with that person that you don't know who they've been in bed with the last week. And whatever they have, they'll be glad to give it to you. Compromise. Principles and morals. Oh, people don't want messages like that. They want a watered-down gospel. They want, just talk about my, me and my hurts and my pains make me feel good. Why make you feel good on your way to hell? Tribulation, tribulation. And verse 23, oh my God, look what it says here. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Spiritually dead. Not just natural dead. He's talking about spiritual dead. What's he talking about? Numbness. I see it. If anything gets me and hurts me. It's the irreverence and the numbness. That comes through a life with compromise. The numbness to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Numbness to the word of God. If there's anything that makes you just want to quit. It's when you put everything you can. And you minister. And you love. And you prayed. And you fasted. And it seems like it's been hardly any avail. Because there's such numbness to the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want you to love. I want you to forgive. A numbness to the presence of the Holy Spirit. No, let's talk, let's visit, let's write notes, let's text, let's have fun. I'm okay with God. Why pay so much attention? A numbness to the leading. And the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go. I have a message for you. I have a, I have a letter written to you. No. Next week, he tells you again. Go to church. Let me minister to you. Let me give you a word. No, no, I don't need to go again. I've done gone once this week. And finally the Holy Spirit said, you know what? I'm just not talking to you. Because you wouldn't hear me now because you've gotten so numb and so cold. You wouldn't hear me now if I sent an angel before you. It would only last a week. And so there's the adultery of going into the bed and growing numb. Instead of having the power to overcome the world, the world has the power to overcome, influence us, us. He talks about the dominion and power and authority that he wants to give it. When we do things God's ways, we'll have dominion and power to, to overcome and triumph over the power of the enemy and uh, to turn away from, from those practicing living in sin. And also we're supposed to warn the, the sinner, not pacify the sinner, but warn the sinner, not dilute or, or, or water down uh, have a passion against sin. Learn balance. Amen. Balance in different things. Balance in books we're reading. Balance in, 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 in dress, in hair, in makeup, in, in things we do, things we go, things we see. A balance in these type of things. First uh, John two fifteen. you don't have to look it up, but it defines our relationship with the world and it uses the word agape, that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And what that word love there is, if you've given yourself to the world, then you have not given yourself to God. So how can you call yourself that you belong to God if you've already given yourself to the world? Because if I've given myself to God, but yet I give myself to the world, I'm committing adultery with the world, and I've broken my relationship with my husband, Jesus Christ. Just like a natural adultery. So our love, don't let your affection, 
your pursuit, your pursuit. Verse, eight, uh, verse 18 of 1 John speaks about the anti-anointing, the anti-power, the anti-deliverance. Uh, when you start compromising, all of a sudden all this stuff starts trying to come in. And you start seeing all this uh, anti-anointing out, anti-presence of God, anti-conviction. Uh, and we just end up living a life uh, of just satisfying ourselves. He says, to he that overcomes love inflames power, cultivates love of the Father. Helps us get a heart to influence the world and to, and to love the needy. To get a heart of evangel to evangelize, a heart of compassion. If you have time, we won't look at it tonight. But uh, how many of you know the story of Jonah? Everybody knows about Jonah and the whale. Well, if you go further down and you read the book of Nahum. Nineveh, the city, did repent with Jonah, but then it fell back into sin. And the prophets say, you have been warned, God is slow to anger. But now, after these years, because of your backsliddenness, because of your compromise, now I'm going to destroy you. And he did destroy Nineveh at that time because they didn't repent like they did the first time. Because they had fell in love with the world. They never overcame their worldliness, and therefore they were doomed. They repented, but they never overcame. They repented, but they never overcame. Do you hear this? They repented, but they never overcame. They repented. But they never overcame. It was a constant, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, Lord, I didn't mean to. They repented, but they never overcame. And by being in love with the world, with their affections and drawn to the world, even though they were warned, he said in 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, the affection, the passion, the pursuit of God is not in him. So it says in James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy with God. The world seeks to weaken our love for Christ by appealing to our old nature, which desires to live according to the world's value. The temptation of the world is to satisfy our pleasures and not to seek what pleases God. But thank God he who knows God overcomes the world. Amen. How many world overcomers do I have here? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, don't you love how Jesus was able to face Satan even in a weakened condition? All alone in a weakened condition to say, Satan, get behind me. Pleasures of the world, get behind me. Temptations to the desires of my flesh, get behind me. I will obey only the word of God. Amen. So one of the things we've got to understand, we won't go there. Acts chapter 17, verse 16, Paul was in Athens. And he was waiting for his disciples to join him. And he was walking around Athens. And it says he saw the idolatry, the paganism in the city. And it says he got stirred on the inside. He got stirred. He couldn't believe the filth and the control of what he was seeing. How many of you know uh, that what we see on TV and, and what we hear on TV and, and what we hear in the world and all that, how many you know it, it ought to sicken us? We should never feel comfortable of just taking in hours of something that is nothing but filth and trash. How many of you know rats live in trash? Roaches live in trash. Demonic spirits well, I don't believe in that. It's amazing it's in the Bible as much as it is for somebody to say they don't believe in it. Demonic spirits. Demonic spirits live in the trash. If we live and work and play in the trash, we're going to stir up the demonic spirits. And guess who they're going to follow home? The person with the trash. And so just like Nineveh, we're seeing we have to be careful of these things. Uh, 
Look with me in Mark chapter 5. I got five minutes and I'll be through. How about that? Mark chapter 5, verse 2. Mark chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus crossed over the sea and here comes somebody who had got stuck in trash. Jesus wants to deliver you from trash. Jesus wants to remove the trash from our lives. The control and the influence of the trash. And it says, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Somewhere this man had compromised. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither can anyone tame him. See, this type of person that goes from church to church. Can you free me? Can you help me? Can you bless me? But you need an encounter with Jesus Christ. Only he can set you free. And always, night and day. Oh, that's what the devil loves to do. Torment night and day. Night and day. No peace. No joy. Night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. You see, he liked horror movies. And he saw Jesus from afar, and he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered him saying, my name is Legion, 5,000, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now, there was a large herd of swine. Now, just for you to know in your history lesson, this is where uh, deviled ham was invented. There (laughs) There was a large herd of swine that came near the mountains. So all the demons begged him. And oh, I just started worshiping God right there, thanking him. That we have such a church. That the demons are begging the members of Word of Grace. To let them go. To command them to go. That you will not have any hold upon the church of Jesus Christ. On their minds, their emotions, their spirits, or their souls. But only a church without compromise will have such an authority dominion as Christ spoke there. Into that little bitty church. That non-significant, small, hidden church. Jesus spoke and said that if you'll overcome, you have done so many things corrected. If you overcome, I'll give you the authority, the dominion of hell. To where the demons will be subject to you. Crying out to you and begging out for mercy because of not letting up on them. Because you will not compromise with their doctrine and you will not compromise with their infestation. But you will stand up in the authority and the dominion. And if you will not compromise the word, if you will not water down the word, if you will not excuse the entire counsel of God, you will have authority over all the power of the devil. And the devils will be subject to you through my name. So he cast them into the pigs and they ran off the roof 
the, the wall, the mountain, and they drowned. And they came to Jesus, verse 15, and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Thank God the word of grace is full of people who are in their right mind, who are now clothed in righteousness, and who are now free. No cases too difficult for the loosening, freeing power of the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm speaking into this body. I believe in our 10th anniversary, we're going to the area that we're going to invade lives and see people sitting in their right mind. See people healed and delivered, changed, transformed. And they were afraid. Don't you go to that Word of Grace church. There's a bunch of crazy people we know going there. They won't tell you they're not crazy. They won't tell you their testimony at 7 o'clock. They'll just tell you they're crazy. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him and how he had been been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him, get out of our region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus didn't permit him and said to him, no, go home to your friends. Go home to your friends and share your story. And don't water it down and don't compromise it. Go to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion. On you, And it says, and he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and, and all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled to thy friends. Go tell how wonderful Jesus is and how he's changed you. But guess what? Friends do not believe in the story of those who compromise. If there's a little devil still there. Friends aren't going to believe that you're really free and you're really serious. You know what? You're telling me about this church. I remember you telling me about Amway last year and the year before that. You told me about this. And the year before that, you told me about how that person made you feel. And now you're on your third person. You're always high about something. When are you really going to find something that sticks? When are you really... Going to better tell me something that I really know this time. You found something real for your life. You're not compromising. I love you. Wow. Mm. Acts nine thirty six talks about influencing and serving, and you can read about that later on. And John 4, 28, uh, they know, to know when it's God and to, to uh, reach out to people. And if we, if we, listen to this, loving the world affects the church. A church that compromises and love of the world can grow because the world will be comfortable in the church. A church that doesn't compromise will grow, but it will grow with people who are hungry to really change. You know, I ask myself this all the time, and I'm asked this all the time. And I've gone to the Father about this all the time. 
Where's all the people who get saved? What happens to the people who come and the people who go? And it's such a big percentage of people who come, but they want to get saved and live according to their standards and not the gospel standards. And you can prepare the table, and Jesus said you can give them the jacket. You can go the highways and the byways. You can invite those you already own. But you cannot make them eat. You cannot make them sit clothed in their right line. So a church that doesn't compromise and doesn't water down the word, it'll grow. But it'll grow with people who also don't want to compromise and they want the truth. If you want a culture club, culture club, boy George, if you want a a country club, if you want a country club, you know who boy George is? I hope not. It's an ugly, demon-possessed man, and God save him and help him. Maybe he's gotten saved by now. But anyway, if uh, someone wants a country club, that's that. Somebody wants a big place to go just to get business contacts, that's that. There's all kind of reasons that we can belong to a church. The question is, why do you belong where you are? Why are you where you are? Because you've been sent by God. And you're not numb. In fact, you're hungry. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. But we're hungry. And we're striving to live the best lives that we can. Wow. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand. It's five after I went five minutes too long. But y'all forgive me, huh? It's, I'm getting better. Hallelujah. You can't stop a message like that sometime. Father, we come before you, Heavenly Father, Holy God. And we receive the letters you prophetically written 2,000 years ago, but that are still alive speaking to us today. And we do take heed to your word tonight. Each and every one personally. Holy Spirit, reveal to us areas where we compromise, where we fail to live according to your standards. Forgive us for our frailty. Forgive us for affectionately following things of the world more than our affection is for God. Forgive us of our sins and wash us in your precious blood. And without your grace and your mercy, we cannot overcome different things that we have had a relationship with. But tonight, break the soul ties. Break the bondages. Break the attractions. Help us to crucify, crucify daily. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Do a work in in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And Lord, even as David prayed, purify me, Lord. Make me as gold, tried and true. Bless your children. Almighty God, you who are worthy of our lives. They bear fruit for you. Bless your children. I pray to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. We bless you. If you need prayer tonight. We'll be here to pray with you and minister to you, a number of us. We love you. We bless you. God bless you with an awesome week. God bless you in Jesus' name. To he who overcomes, amen.